We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm up your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, especially heading into the flu and cold season. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com backslash CMOS. Again, that is athleticgreens.com backslash CMOS to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Hey, CMOS Release. Welcome back to the podcast. Happy Tuesday to everyone. Happy CMOS Release Day. Um, I'm here with Kate. We're here to do a podcast episode, and we got some exciting news on today's intro uh, docket. Kate, let's let's start off with the news. What, what do What's you have up? here? Um, well, I was, you know, I was thinking about how I could edit this and have some sort of, like, crashing, exciting, like, fantastic noise going on right Ooh. now, but I, yeah, I don't have that expertise for you guys. Sorry. Um, but merch will be coming out um i don't know if it'll be coming out by literally tomorrow when you hear this podcast maybe you'll listen to it on wednesday it'll be out who knows we're aiming for this week so it will be all over the instagram all over the threads if anyone's still on threads um i thread every now and then but it's not that interesting and we are excited to show you guys the designs um it's very simple they're very like good punchy statements and um all the details to order will be like available on socials and you'll get a little promo post too yeah, I'm excited. There's some fun stuff. There's some fun colorways. I know what I'm going to be getting. I almost really don't want to spill spill yeah, the no. beans of what the phrases are, but I hope no. you guys love them. Everyone's been asking for merch. Um, so definitely snag it while you can. We yeah. don't know how long we're going to keep the storefront open, but we like to keep everyone on, on their toes. So toes. get it once you see it. This is a much better merch drop than our past. So um, it's a much better system for us. I'm on my credit cards aren't jacked up. Um, it's good quality stuff. It's whatever. So we hope you guys are happy and pleased and overjoyed. We'll do a little merch update next week. I feel like in the intro where we can talk about it now that it's out in the world, um, whatever. I don't know why. Like we're like secretive about the merch that we are going to launch ourselves. Yeah. But... Also, if you have old merch, definitely post up in it. Cause I'm like, I know a lot of you girlies yeah. bought the hottest bitch in the Andari section. Like and if you post orders. yourself in it, we will totally post Hit that you. repost. Yeah. yeah. We'll repost. Um, we love to see the girlies in the DMs. But um, anyways, I have a few weird notes, Um, whatever, from my day. My biggest one is that I'm, like, reclaiming lifting. I don't think this is actually my biggest one. But the runner girlies know that cross-training and strength training is 
good for your body and you should do it. So with my marathon training, this week was my first week strength training, AKA going to a gym, AKA stuff I haven't done for the past year, maybe no, like six months ish, less than a year. I was lifting when I did a half marathon, but I stopped like after I got injured and boy, do I hate that environment? It's not even like, oh, there's boys there, boys, there's men there, or there's mirrors, or I have body dysmorphia. Those things all exist and they do suck because there's one man who fucking grunted in the gym and it scared me. I was like, did something just break from the ceiling? Whatever. Those factors aside, I just don't like the environment of all these people there kind of on top of each other, kind of crowded, kind of fucking annoying. So yeah. it's not good for me. What time of the day do you go at? Because I feel like that really determines how your experience is. So far, I've been going at unemployment friend hour, like myself, um, which is 3 p.m., which always brings an interesting crowd who can go to a gym at Monday on a, at 3 p.m. But I don't know. I, I'll probably get on the rise and grind like 6 a.m. shit, too, just because I have to see, you know, the most athletic people at the gym, whatever. But it's OK. I've just been trying to, like, reclaim it. I think, like, I had this whole connect with my PT talking about like the fact I used to play volleyball and like, I didn't feel confident as an athlete throughout volleyball. I've always felt like I was the least athletic on the team. I had like the worst vertical jump. I just wasn't, I couldn't figure out my body simultaneously when I couldn't figure out my body, I developed an eating disorder. And so like, I always talk about this kind of like on my YouTube, at least like I didn't set myself up for success and I didn't give myself a chance. And so I've been breaking down this idea of like, I'm not an athlete. And that might be funny to some of the CMOS girlies of like, Kate, you're saying that and you're like a sponsor athlete by Hoka but like I'm just saying throughout my life as like the way that I've moved compared to other people it's always been like well I'm not the best so I shouldn't try and now like not being the best is something that doesn't deter me from getting into something previously if I wasn't the top top best excelling person at whatever hobby I had whether it's singing or art or volleyball I was like oh if I'm not the best I should just quit doing it because it's not good to just do something like recreationally so with lifting, it's like, I'm not going for any sort of crazy goals with it. It's for maintenance for running, but I'm yeah. trying to relearn how to love it. Like maybe my body will be working like a crazy oiled machine. If I get good at lifting and my running just chains in some dramatic way. And so that's like my only positive spin on the whole lifting thing. If yeah. you're a girly out there. I mean, lifting is definitely a very unique form of exercise. And I think that's very like admirable that you're like a forgiving your past self and like accepting your current self. And I think it's like really hard to rewire your brain, especially if you come from the past of being a student athlete, myself included. Um, I think it's like really easy for you to get caught up in this whole, like, I have to do all this stuff and be perfect, yada, yada, yada. Yeah. Um, yeah, lifting. I've been doing that a lot. I've been lifting at one of the public recreation centers just because I canceled my gym membership. It didn't make sense for me to pay for pay for it since I was swimming too much. Um, but I've been going to the Astro Levy location and it's so nice. It's basically like a private gym. It's like myself and like maybe two other people. I think the one nice thing about lifting is that it forces you to be patient with yourself because you're not going to experience like crazy gains, but also too, you can really tailor it to whatever it is that you need or want. Like, I know there's some people who are like so crazy into powerlifting and some people that like just want to lift weights just for like the sake of like lifting weights. They know it's good for them. And you can like determine how many reps you do, what weight yeah. you start at and all of that. So I, I think, think it's like even that's a runner. good thing about it. Yeah. I was going to say, it's, I think it's hard with runners like myself. It's like, okay, I'm not really lifting to get a PR. So then like, yeah. how heavy should I go? How many reps should I do? How much should I push myself? I think, and it's hard to know also like on a rest day, it's like, okay, should I rest and like entirely sit in bed or should I do like hip mobility today or should I do nothing? And so I think lifting is that same camp of figuring out what the right balance is in conjunction with like the aerobic exercise to be like, okay, I'm lifting, but my runs are still productive and like good. So mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, it's like exciting to have like a new movement in my routine. 
Um, I'm going to California this weekend, which is another thing on my list as um, my random fucking list I have today. But I'm going to California, Santa Monica, particularly for a run retreat. Um, Athletic Greens is one of the brands that's a sponsor of this podcast, but I work with them a lot on my social media. And they're having 20 different female runners that they do social media partners with out to a what's like a run retreat. And if you know who Allison Felix is, um, she's really big in the women's running space. She was a former like Nike signed athlete and now she has her own brand she's created her own running shoe so she's spearheading this like conference kind of networking kind of workshop thing I'm going to so I get some California sun this weekend which I'm very excited about I get some change of scenery on my runs and I'm really excited it's like my first brand trip as an influencer Uh, most of the other influencers are going to like Dubai with Tarte makeup and I'm going to run in Santa Monica with athletic greens, but I'm, I'm very excited about it. And I will let all the CMOS girlies know, um, how it is. Yeah. I'm sure we'll see very fun and exciting content from you. That's fun. Um, let's see here last week's pod, Kate and I were talking about the Barbie movie. And I think I was talking about like, Oh, it'd be so fun if my boyfriend took me to see the Barbie movie. And Kate was like, as a woman, you should not have to pay to see the Barbie movie. Well, let me tell you, my wishes came true boyfriend was like do you want to see the barbie movie on friday afternoon and i was like yes sign me up so we saw the movie i personally liked it i thought it was entertaining and i think the themes of patriarchy and feminism were like pretty witty Mm -hmm. um yeah i would recommend it for anyone and everyone my (laughs) i feel like some of the men that i've talked to in in my life have had like mixed reviews on it i'm like "Eh, that's like not too surprising unfortunately um the the point of the movie yeah the soundtrack is fine um it's it's okay there's a tame and paula song that i didn't know was going to be in it and yeah. i was like oh that's like kind of cool to hear i hate the i hate the Nicki minaj song i think it's so bad the barbie the, Lizzo, the lizzo the lizzo track too i didn't i didn't even know oh i didn't know lizzo was in the movie either. Singing, and then like lizzo had his track and i was like what is happening here I, um, I was like weirded out when it it felt like for a while i was like wait fuck the first few parts of the movie i was like is this gonna be a musical i was like did i miss that part of it like when dua lipa was like had a line i was like what's like she had a a speaking line i was like what are we doing here like is nikki gonna do something i i'm not gonna give it away but the the ending i was like this feels the ending was kind of cringe and i like hated the ending but besides that the movie was great um trying to think what else i just feel like i'm becoming like the princess of metropolitan ave because my days are just centered around being in brooklyn these days um i kind of in the same camp of lifting i have been really getting into doing pull-ups i have really said this is like a goal that i want and which is i want to be able to lift or not lift excuse me do as many pull-ups as possible and pull-ups are not easy for women they're like so challenging But every single time I go to the gym, I, I, I force myself to do three pull-ups and then a few negatives. And I feel like I'm slowly starting to see progress. But I think doing body weight exercises is so underrated. And if you're someone who doesn't have access to a gym, I think actually there's a Mind Body Green podcast episode recently with like a woman and she was talking about like weightlifting or weight training for women or something about that. And they were talking a lot about body weight movements. Um, so yeah, just because you don't have access to a gym, you can definitely get a good a good workout from doing body air squats or pull-ups if you can find a random scaffolding in your neighborhood if you live in new york um but yeah that's been my 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 new thing that i've been chasing towards play yeah there's so much body weight stuff and most mobility things on the internet are all body weight like very few need equipment if it's like anything maybe it's a resistance band here and there and that shit is hard because a lot of my lifting program uh works in some mobility stuff and so i'm like oh this is going to be so easy like i looked through the program and i like could not feel my quads the next day so 
Um, never underestimate the power of some body weight shit. Uh, my last note is just for any CMOS girly that wants to, uh, have a freelance lifestyle out there. I'm just going to give you a run of the mill of my day. This is not ensuring or promising that your day will be like this, but this is just more a warning because I, I said this before on the pod, like when we talked about like sleep hygiene, that like my wellness habit I will never be able to break is like my phone like my screen time is like awful when I was hanging out with a friend that was a content creator we both like held our phones by our face facing towards each other and then we did like a one two three countdown to turn it to each other because I was like wait you and I are both on our phone all day because of that's how we work like I don't ever open my laptop besides doing this podcast once a week and we turned and I was like so happy that we had the same screen time I was like am I crazy for having like 10 hours or some shit on some days and he had like 12 hours whatever besides the point my day-to-day was cuckoo crazy and this could be enticing to people that are in college whatever and so when you're freelance you don't have anything to do some days and then some days you have a lot to do and here's what my day was first of all when am I run during my run had to film content film content youtube youtube content before that as well finish off my run and then i decided that emma and i we had to do cmos girlies merch stuff um and other cmos girlies matters like do this research for this podcast then i went to post my youtube video i filmed one branded tiktok video in which i emailed to the brand emailed my brand went to physical therapy had to go to times square times square to film a billboard for hoka then i had to go pick up a book from a library to do a youtube video then I went to cryotherapy. Then I did more work on my computer. And now I'm podcasting at 7 p.m. If that sounds enticing to you being run like that, go off. I'm not bitching at all. I genuinely love it. But I've already watched like what I do in a day videos. I'm like, I my day is not like that in any sense, even if it's a freelancer. And so today when I was walking through Midtown, I was like, in my fucking hoparas and i was like whoa some people have just like jobs like emma has a job like i'm yeah, just like welcome to I the doing? real world baby welcome to the real world of nine to fives i mean yeah it's just you know i find myself working more than eight hours a day because it is so stretched out and it is so many tasks like on my phone that are like oh i'm just like writing this little email on my phone but i don't really have clocking off clocking on hours um so one of my personal goals for august is to create better boundaries between what is work and not work um inevitably i'm never going to be able to solve that problem in my life like with the career path i've chosen but um yeah that's like what your favorite meme page uh freelance tiktok girl does in a day perhaps maybe i should start making those videos let me know if you want me to make those videos the what i do in a day videos yeah a little taste and glimpse into into kate's life um i'm not gonna do a day-by-day breakdown because if anyone else works a nine-to-five um we probably live the same the same lives um i I was gonna read off though (laughs) pardon i said i see those on tiktok though like they do very well like come work with me from whatever nine to five or even work yeah i mean i think people like relatable content i think like if you're starting off in the workforce it's really hard to figure out like yeah how to structure your days before and after for me like i need to have a long morning to myself yeah and i like to work out in the mornings just because then in the evenings it's like completely me time not that like exercise feels like a task that i have to do i really love and it's just like a natural part of my everyday life but it's just something about having to do that in the evening i'm like no i just want to like be silly and walk around and listen to music and walk a bridge or like do social activities um but yeah it's definitely taken a lot for me to kind of figure out the right the right balance Balance. yeah um i was gonna read off my last point but i actually don't feel like reading that so let's get into today's podcast which is about um i'm just like there's no one it doesn't matter um today's podcast is going to be about like certifications and professions in the wellness space i swear to god there is like a new title 
coming out from someone's fucking ass every other day i I swear they're just auto-generated at this point i'm like these are all just like the same buzzwords being thrown together in different ways um but i know like a lot of girlies probably study or want to maybe study something related to health and wellness and perhaps you want to do something that's more on like the holistic side so we kind of broke down the main the main certifications professions that you can do and like what is required from each and then we kind of also talk about some of the more i don't want to say like problematic stuff but like for example how to find or know if someone's legit because there's a lot of bogus out on the internet and like also how to navigate whether someone who does have some sort of certification is or is not allowed to give nutritional advice yeah um i think this is really ripe or like really ripe what the hell am i saying really good for like now with social media like how often you see it as emma mentioned earlier and then i do think there is just a broader shift in health and wellness and that's going to translate to more people wanting to work in it like i when i was doing the research for this podcast i thought like oh if i knew like you told me in the glass ball whatever that i was going to be working for this podcast cmos girlies and doing health and wellness shit would i have wanted to get some sort of maybe like a minor in dietetics is that how it's pronounced um like some sort of nutritional field when I was in college knowing what I am now so I'm very curious how many of the CMOS girlies are pursuing something in college related to health and wellness or out of college or any sort of program like this but uh that's the episode for today so I will call you back and then we'll get into it we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast ditch the busy work use indeed for scheduling screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Our next partner is a product that Emma and I take every single day. I started taking Athletic Greens because I wanted to find a greens powder that actually blended together. The taste is hands down the best greens powder I've been able to find. It even has a mild tropical taste and you're absorbing 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, adaptogens, you name it. For me, I started taking Athletic Greens because I wanted a supplement that actually tastes great. I've always known that taking a greens powder is a great addition to one's wellness routine, but I could just never get past the unpleasant taste. This completely changed once I started taking Athletic Greens. It tastes so good that I actually look forward to drinking it every morning, something I never knew was possible. Plus, Athletic Greens contains dairy-free probiotics, and let me tell you, my digestion has never been better. Another thing that Emma and I love is that it's the one thing with the best things. Athletic Greens uses the best of best products based on the latest science with constant product iterations and third-party testing. It costs you less than $3 a day. You're investing in your health, and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, especially heading into the flu and cold season. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. 
To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is go visit athleticgreens.com backslash CMOS. Again, that is athleticgreens.com backslash CMOS to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Okay, CMOS Phillies, let's get into the episode. So we're going to start off with just giving a basic breakdown of different titles. Again, perhaps you're someone who wants to get involved in the health and wellness space, and perhaps you want to do some sort of certification, or maybe you're in high school and are like, oh, this is kind of an interesting field. What is out there in terms of careers? So this is a no particular order. Um, so first we're going to start off with functional medicine doctor, which is the one that I think I'm most familiar with at this point. Everyone knows of Mark Hyman, Dr. Frank Lipman. And if you listen to any other health and wellness podcast, I'm sure you've heard of plenty of, you know, people go on podcasts that say that they're a functional medicine doctor. And I'm sure you've heard the term thrown around quite a bit. Um, so really like the primary approach of functional medicine just overall is that it's an approach that focuses on identifying and addressing the root cause of the disease. So like each symptom or differential diagnosis may be one of many of like contributing, maybe contributing to an individual's illness. So like depression, for example, it could be due to an omega-3 deficiency or maybe vitamin D. And so it's really them kind of identifying what's the actual root cause. And this kind of is different compared to like a standardized treatment um, or some sort of conventional doctor that you'd maybe regularly see where their diagnosis is going to be centered more around like symptoms and it's going to be very like standardized treatment. And it's far more reactionary versus like providing this like preventative approach. And this approach evolved from the insights and perspectives of a lot of like different influential thought leaders in the space. It was started off by Jeffrey S. Bland. He was like the founder of the Institute of Functional Medicine in 1991. And he's like, quote unquote, known as like the father of functional medicine. So he's really the one who like kind of spearheaded this entire movement. And it's only become like more and more mainstream. And I would say like now at this point, like functional medicine is like not super hippy dippy and not like super alternative. There's still like a lot of blend of like Western and Eastern practices um, but to like to be eligible for the certification as a functional medicine doctor, it probably comes as no surprise that you like need to have a higher education degree in like a health related field with credentials as either like a medical doctor, um, doctor of chiropractic, naturopathic doctor, dentist, nurse practitioner, acupuncturist, pharmacist, or a mental health professional as well. And then from there, you can get like the actual function and functional medicine certification, IFM, which is the Institute of for Functional Medicine, is really the only organization that provides functional medicine certification. And they also provide like so many other educational programs that are directly accredited by the Accreditation Council for Continuing Medical Education. So like if you want to have that certification behind you, that's great. But really, I would say like functional medicine, it's like more of like an actual approach to like treating someone if you are a doctor so i think like your conventional doctor could still provide like functional medicine um approaches to whatever it is that you're trying to solve with them um next is going to be a personal trainer or fitness trainer and these i feel like people always give a lot of shit about or I think also do like a lot of people question like what's actually like how valid are these certifications. Um, so really pretty much for a personal trainer or a fitness trainer, we'll kind of break down the 
what the differences are between the two of them. So they are, they both require a nationally accepted certification or some sort of edu- educational background and like an exercise related field or both. So whether that would be like human performance or exercise physiology, and it's going to be like pretty common for employers to not hire you without a degree. And like different employers may also require different certifications or other requirements. And it could also completely vary based off of the state that you live or reside in or hope to work in. And training should be specific. So like, let's say you want to become a fitness trainer, like the training that you do kind of in your early years should be like very relevant to the population that you plan to work with, like down the road. So let's say you want to work with senior citizens at some point in your life but you only have background working with like high school students, you would definitely want to either do some sort of like clinical hours or some sort of like internship program where you are assisting and working as a fitness trainer with senior citizens because how they react to certain exercises is going to be very different to someone who's very young and like in high school or college. And then there is like a little bit of confusion confusion when it comes to like, what's the difference between like fitness coach and personal trainer. If I'm maybe someone who wants to get a fitness coach, would it actually be more beneficial for me to get a personal trainer and vice versa? So fitness coaches, they are really focusing on like achieving the long-term health and fitness goals in areas such as like weight management and body shaping. And this is largely going to be done through some sort of like workout or exercise program and their main focus is going to be on weight loss with said client. And they're just going to be giving like a far more like broad approach to a program. I kind of view like fitness coaches as like, maybe if you like go to a gym, there's like someone who's like some sort of like fitness coach there Um, versus personal trainers. They really are like working with clients to help them become like more physically fit. And they're going to like really design workouts and like lead training sessions that are really, really tailored to a specific a specific part of your overall like performance and exercise. So whether that's like mobility, maybe you want to improve like your vertical jump, or maybe there's like a certain area that like you're really trying to build muscle in. And they're going to really be focusing too on like correcting exercise form and slowly adjusting training plans as needed based on what the end result is that you may have in mind. Lastly, or not lastly, we also have holistic nutritionists, which I feel like is like blown up in the space. Every single girly that has like some sort of wellness blog is like suddenly now some sort of like certified holistic nutritionist. And it like kind of freaks me out how many of them there are. Um, Because I'm like, is there even actually like appetite for this? But I guess perhaps there is. Um, These are going to be specialized nutritionists who help patients prevent illness and promote like good health through the use of like natural foods, remedies, as well as like healthy lifestyle recommendations. Kind of their approach is going to be similar to a functional medicine doctor where they're really focusing on identifying the root cause of the disease and really like trying to address that through, through diet intervention. And most people kind of in the space will start off with getting some sort of college degree in nutrition or food science. And typically like a college degree is needed to, for certain certification programs, but there is also the opportunity for you to enroll in an educational program in like a holistic nutrition in holistic nutrition that's approved by NANP, which is the National Association for Nutrition Professionals, which I think is really great because I think a lot of people, I know there's so many people in the fashion industry, especially the fashion industry to the wellness industry pipeline is very real that like we're working in fashion that we're like, I fucking hate this, the space. I want to go in and like do something that's like more related to like health and something that's a little bit more holistic. I know a few people actually currently that are about to pivot and do that. So it is nice that like, if you didn't go to school for that, like there's still opportunity for you to get certified and kind of make that career career jump. Cause like, that is not an easy thing. And that's something that I have kind of played with in the back of my mind as well. Um, but then in order to be certified, whether it's like holistic or otherwise, 
you do have to pass the certification examination for nutrition specialists. And this is going to be administered by the board of certification of nutrition specialists, like I said, and the BCNS um, certification requires that you complete around like a thousand hours of supervised work experience. Um, so these are definitely titles that you can maybe look for and we'll kind of get into how to tell if someone is like legit or not, but these are definitely like certifications to certainly look for when you're trying to vet a person. Um, so I would say like, obviously functional medicine doctor is going to be like the most prestigious one and probably the hardest to get. But if you're someone who's like, I don't want to go to medical school, medical school and do all of that, there's like at least like so many other opportunities to be involved in the space. Yeah. I think like Emma said, it's really cool. And maybe this is a COVID trend too, that made it more accessible as well with like a lot of work going to remote and a lot more educational programs and certification certifications you can do remote. So hypothetically speaking, if you were working a job and you had extra time or something like that, you could try to get your degree in one of these things. I bet it would be really tough to do both at the same time. But like Emma said, if you want to make that pivot and you don't know how it's going to work, uh, it's nice to know that some of this stuff, like Emma said, you can kind of start over. Like that's not something that our parents did. You kind of worked the same job for 50 years and now people switch careers. It's not just like, oh, I went from being like, a marketing associate to a marketing analyst. It's like, no, you're jumping to work in nutrition and you never have anymore. So if there's a calling, um, you might be able to fulfill it. Um, even though there's a lot of bad things about the times we live in, I guess that's a positive. Um, the next one that I hear a lot and I'm like, what the fuck is that? Is a naturopath? I'm like, what are we doing here? I have no idea what that is. So naturopathy also called naturopathic medicine is a medical system that has evolved from this combination of very much like traditional practices in medicine and then healthcare approaches that were popular specifically in Europe in the 19th century. So overall they recommend dietary lifestyle changes. It's these broad things about like stress reduction. They might prescribe you some herbs, dietary supplements. They might do like homopathic interventions for your lifestyle if they like determine that. Um, licensed naturopaths will take the patient's health history and they'll ask about, you know, your diet, your stress levels. They're going to try to figure out what's wrong based on like what you're doing in your life. They do also like run blood tests. Like you could get that from your naturopath, but at the same time, like they're mostly looking at like lifestyle factors that could be leading to some sort of imbalance. Um, and then they will go on and like make customized plans for you and your health. So it is pretty broad kind of like what a naturopath could serve in your life. Um, I would say that it seems like the most of the time people go to naturopath with a specific problem you want to solve. Like, Hey, I really feel like a slump at 2 PM. What would you think would be my best thing? People are not going to be going for, uh, to cure disease most of the time through naturopath. Um, now this is the interesting thing that's kind of happening. I would say in healthcare overall is that with like fucked up healthcare system in America, a lot of people for very valid reasons, like don't trust doctors, don't trust the medical system. And I'm not saying like the quack reasons for like not trusting vaccines, but some reasons of like, when you look at the black infant mortality rate and you look at like the, the um, way that black mothers are treated in hospital settings, it makes sense for people to seek out alternative medicine. It makes people who have lineage and ties to things like traditional Chinese medicine to go and practice that. And so with you know, we're kind of seeing a shift where like maybe someone has a very serious condition. I'm not going to go as far to say like cancer or something, but they have a really serious medical problem. They go to a traditional doctor for years. They feel like they're not being heard. They're not being seen, whatever the hell they don't like what's happening and they want to find holistic solutions. A lot of that's why you kind of hear 
on TikTok and shit of like, my naturopath cured my this. And it seems like it's a really bold claim. It's clearly been years of work that this person has been on like their healing journey. And like, yeah, a naturopath could be the right fit for you, but it also couldn't be too. Um, And so I think another broader thing of this episode is that like, all of these things could have meaning in your life if that's what you need but there are differences in like what these people can and can't do to you um and so i think that like yeah there could be a place for a naturopath if you had a serious illness but i would personally probably go to like a western doctor first to get blood work and then i would maybe think like okay they didn't hear me out what could i do next like maybe a naturopath would be the best thing um in terms of like degrees and qualifications for a naturopath you want to look for someone who has a medical degree that is earned from an accredited four year in residence medical college there's not that many of these like naturopathic medical colleges and so like it's going to be obvious if they have one or not and there's also some board exams that you'll have to pass in order to be certified or licensed in this so i thought that like naturopath was a very like fluffy label but you still have to go to get a degree for it and get licensed for it um but that brings me into health coach which is my personal hell like when i see that shit on tiktok it bothers me more than like a trainer does or anything like that um because what what's fucking is a health coach like I are we health coaches with CMOS girlies? Like I I feel like I could see someone making an argument that like, yeah, you guys are health coaches too, which is scary. Um, so this is definitely the least credible of all of these, but I do want to say like what a health coach is kind of intended to do because like I think this gets kind of um this loose definition kind of allows for people to scam through being a health coach. Uh, so health coaches are kind of intended to help you implement lifestyle changes that would overall improve your physical health. So a lot of times, actually, health coaches are employed through corporate wellness programs, which is something we could do a podcast episode about, kind of like the privatization of the healthcare system in the fact that like a lot of people will get like a stipend or a budget from their employer to go like fix their health to account for the fact of like, oh, we have really shitty like work quality environments these years. Like we don't have time off. We don't have vacation. We don't have paid leave. And so could do an episode of that. That's a side tangent. But health coaches oftentimes are prescribed through corporate wellness programs. Let's say you go to your office, your boss, and you know that you have some sort of like health services through your employer, you'd probably get signed up with a health coach to kind of figure it out. Um, your doctor could also re- like recommend health coaching to you. Let's say you have a chronic issue like diabetes or something that you need to work through. Um, and you could also go out and like hire a health coach yourself, but there's different routes to like getting situated with a health coach. Um, health coaches look at the more mental side than the physical side. So here's how I would describe what like a health coach kind of should do in your life. People are going to find out like what issues they have that is preventing them from getting to a goal. So I have a few examples. Like, let's say, you know, you wanted to eat more vegetables during the week. You could go to someone to prescribe you a meal plan. Or you could talk to someone like a health coach to figure out what the barriers are to you eating vegetables throughout the week. Is it that you're at the office every single day? Is it that it's too expensive? Is it that you don't know how to cook vegetables? Like what's the problem? And then they can help you like get to that goal. Another one could be something like, I really want to work out five days throughout the week, but I don't know what to do. Once again, you could go and get a gym plan or you could go to a health coach and they could help you manage your time, plan the amount of workouts in a week, figure out how to like do you know, your, your prep for the gym and allocating time and resources, but they wouldn't be giving you this like meal plan or workout plan. So health coaches are like a therapist for your health. I would say, um, you know, you can, there are certain certain, 
there are certain certifications. I was going to say, um, you'll want to be national board certified as a health and wellness coach. That's the certification. Um, but as I mentioned before, I think the biggest thing with a health coach specifically online, like there's going to be a lot of scammers online that are like health coaches. You could talk to them. It could be great. Then they're going to sell you a meal plan. Then they're going to give you diet things. And then they're going to give you a workout plan. Like that's the area that they cannot cross. So health coaches themselves should not be responsible for diagnosing or interpreting medical data. Meaning like you get blood work and they tell you that you have a problem from your blood work levels. Um, they can't prescribe, deprescribe, or recommend supplements or different sort of medication. They do not have a degree to give you, to tell you to go take uh, you know, CoQ10 or fucking collagen or something like that. Uh, they should not be providing any sort of nutritional consultation, creating meal plans. As I said, they shouldn't be giving you any sort of exercise plan, as I mentioned, um, or providing any sort of like therapeutic intervention. Like that would be like a, uh, LSD assisted psychotherapy or something like that. But, um, I think that's just something to keep in mind because this is not saying that like all health coaches are bad. Um, I think there just are some that are bad that kind of muddle the water for everyone else because, yeah, I think a lot of people, like when I was coming out of eating disorder stuff, I first went to um, a dietitian and I went to a doctor to get my blood work and stuff. And then when I kind of had a relapse issue in college, I was like, okay, I know on paper, like how many days I need to work out or like I can work out without like being too much. I know what to do with the food stuff. I know about the rest. I know about the sleep, but I just need someone to talk to about like my health problems, whether that's like the way that I you know, was eating or moving at the time. Like I just wanted to have a therapist kind of. And I think that a health coach could be beneficial if you're in that court, that sort of category. The next two, I think people are probably going to know like the most about, um, it's going to be a nutritionist, which Emma spoke about like a holistic nutritionist, but then I'm going to talk about a registered dietitian because I think these two often get conflated the most on social media. Um, so dietitians, these are going to be the ones that you are like thinking of, like you go to college for this, um, you're a registered dietitian. If you see people on social media and they have like an RD after their name, uh, this is the body, the governing body is the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics. That's where you would get your degree from. So you would have to, uh, um, complete a degree in nutrition. You'd have to do a one-year dietetic internship at an accredited institution. After the internship, you'd have to pass an exam before receiving your RD credentials. And then you either could work in the private healthcare space or at a healthcare institution itself. Um, and then as a dietitian, you know, these people are going to be blending scientific research. They're going to look at behavioral science. They're going to look at social science, nutrition, to look at a way that they can help promote the health and like prevent disease um, and also shape the dietary choices of what healthy people are doing in this country. Uh, registered dietitians often will go down like a particular path. They can get different certifications and like specialized um, practices. So they could be like a pediatric or they could be a sports dietitian. They could do diabetes education. Um, there's a lot of different fields and specificities you could go down. And so, as I mentioned before, they work in both clinical and community settings. So they could work in a hospital and they could collaborate with healthcare providers to help with like, you know, a patient that needs some sort of short-term dietary need during their hospital stay. They also could work in a community setting. So this is more common, I would say, that you know you can work at a school, you could work at a daycare center, correctional facilities, counseling programs. This is probably where you think of a dietitian, and like myself included, think of a dietitian. Um, so this is like the the people that should be giving you food stuff. Um, that's my basic understanding of it is like, these are the people that have the qualifications to shape your dietary choices and be able to prescribe you like interventions and stuff like that when it relates to food. Now, when it comes to a nutritionist working as a nutritionist, 
the day-to-day is very similar to a dietitian, but it's much less regulated compared to the formal training that's required to become an RD. Um, Both of them are going to offer you nutritional advice. A dietitian is going to be the legal academic title that requires this license for practice. And a nutritionist is going to be the broader, more generic title that's given to describe like anyone who gives nutritional advice. And that's the main issue is that any person that gives nutritional advice is called a nutritionist. It's just like you were to say like, this podcast right now, I am being a teacher. I am teaching you guys about stuff. So then like teachers could be like, well, you're not actually a teacher. You didn't go to school to become a teacher, right? So nutritionist is a title that gets like lumped in the category where people then kind of elevate themselves to being like a dietitian on social media and start doing like specific meal plans, specific stuff that they do not have a degree for. Um, the most obvious like way to get this like nutritionist or dietitian referral is going to be through your doctor. As I mentioned, they work um, in a lot of hospitals and like clinical settings. A licensed nutritionist will get credentials. There's a few options they could get it through, which I'll read off. It could be the Commission on Dietetic Registration, the Board for Certification of Nutritional Specialists, or the Clinical Nutritional Certification Board. Um, So there's actually a degree that they can, or not a degree, but there's a certification that nutritionists can get. But the pseudo nutritionist could be anyone from like Kim Kardashian, um, it could be influencers, could be personal trainers, it could be athletes. Um, And the other thing is that like, both nutritionists and dietitians aren't going to be a nurse or physician, which means that they cannot order medical tests. So they can't request blood work, they can't make a diagnosis, and they should not be treating a medical disorder. Um, a legitimate nutritionist, I think this is like a big green flag to look out for, they would make sure that they would tell you as a client that like, hey, we're going to be working in conjunction with healthcare providers. We're not going to be the one that's doing everything for you, um, but we're going to be giving you like the tips and advice on sort of how to get back to this healthy lifestyle. Um, so if they're telling you that like, oh yeah, we can order your blood work and we can do this, they are way out of the the bounds of what their job description in your life should be. Um, and like certified nutritionists, there's going to be a varying uh, amount of credentials. Like when, when we mentioned earlier, like a functional nutritionist versus a holistic nutritionist, there's a lot, a lot of different things um, in the whole nutritionist field. And it does depend like state by state too. So um, yeah, I would just make sure that when like you're on social media, at least I feel like this is where I see the most wars between like the registered dietitian will stitch a nutritionist. And then the, the, naturopath will stitch the dietitian and then the doctor will stitch the other person on TikTok. Um, And so they all have like different things that they can narrowly focus on. But I think it's tough when people that are on TikTok, myself included, before doing this research, like, I don't know. I don't know if a dietitian can give me a fitness plan. And so like, I think people get away with it often on TikTok because the comment section doesn't know that like people just can't be giving out like meal plans left and right if they are not being a dietitian, you know? So yeah. Yeah. So it's very obvious that there's many nuances when it comes to the whole wild world of like wellness and all the different certifications professions. And I think it's like not easy to know who to trust or like how to even learn who is credible or not via social media. There's like so many people that who are perhaps a fitness trainer or holistic nutritionist that probably like cross the line when it comes to what type of advice or stuff that they're putting on the internet that people then take as they will. So let's say you are someone who is perhaps dealing with some sort of like wellness related issue, maybe an eating disorder, or perhaps you relapsed, you name it. And you're like trying to figure out like who it makes sense to go to. It's going to be very easy to get scammed in in this space. Unfortunately, that's just because there's very little regulation 
And that's largely because like a lot of these professions are still new and up and coming, especially when it comes to like holistic, you know, nutritionist perhaps. And so there's a lot of education that you're gonna have to do on your own to kind of figure out who is the best fit. Um, so kind of like some tips and tricks on whether to know if someone is a red or green flag. Um, like I said, do your research, like where did this person go for their education or certification? Like, is that a very like credible school that they went to, or is like that certification program, like something that isn't as prestige as perhaps some of these other ones that we've mentioned, like, these are definitely things for you to consider. And then also too, it's like, how long have they been in the field? Do they have any information on their, like their previous work where the internship, any mentors, um, and I think like referral here is going to be the biggest point. Like you would definitely totally trust your best friend if she told you who she goes to for her gynecologist. And I think like the same can apply here. Like if you have a friend that has a super amazing naturopath and like they've experienced such amazing things, like you know that you can trust your friend, like that is definitely like a good avenue to go down. And I think also too, like if you go into any type of holistic nutritionist website or if they have their own personal blog you name it if they have some sort of like press section and they've gotten like written up in like certain articles or have been like asked to be quoted in like other publications like that's like another way to know that like okay there's like other people who have like reached out and like they definitely like are you know they people look up to them obviously and like they're trusted to give the sort of information in some sort of article and i think too like they really should be like working kind of in collaboration with your doctor. They should be willing to, they really should not be trying to sell you a bunch of supplements on day one or some sort of meal plan. And two, like, it's definitely valid to like kind of question their background. And it's like kind of vetting. It's like, I feel like it's the same process. If you're like trying to find a right therapist, like the first naturopath you meet is like not going to maybe be like the person that you want. And it's a lot of trial and error. And I think like you definitely have every right to kind of like ask about their previous experiences, just to like know if you are getting someone who's actually worth your time or not. Yeah. Uh, definitely play around. Like, don't feel like you have to. I think this is something that I felt like whenever I get some sort of doctor, when I was looking for a physical therapist for decades of like, you don't have to just stick with the first person you go. Like, let's say they're nice. Yeah, they can be nice, but they're not going to be a good fit. And that's like something that I've personally had to work on. I just feel like I'm like, that's so mean if I don't want to go back with them. It's like, Kate, grow up. There's like hundreds of thousands of like people that can help you out there. Um, The next category is someone asked like, I keep seeing on TikTok that a lot of nutritionists or dietitians or like anyone that we mention, a lot of people come from a background of disordered eating. And like, is that healthy? Like, why is that so common? Like, would I want someone who's had an eating disorder or would I not want someone who's had an eating disorder? And that's kind of an open question because it's estimated like that 15% of dietetic students um, and students from other majors in that field are at a risk of eating disorder related diseases and they should seek evaluation if they are, you know, in that 15%. Um, And I honestly like you know, I bet it's probably higher than 15%. If I'm going to be honest of like, when you think about the average amount of people that like have eating disorder tendencies are at a risk. Um, and so I think the reason that nutritionists go into this field is kind of like Emma said before, where like you have had such a, let's say traumatic experience with food and body. And like, you've done a lot of work yourself on it. You want to have your life purpose be empowering other people to fix their relationship with food. You want to help young women. You want to help educate people about this. You want to steer people away from diet culture. So I think that's like a main reason why I would see a lot of overlap of people who've had eating disorders, like want to go into this profession. But I do think that the, you know, reasons behind this can be complicated. Um, I was reading this article that was talking about the phenomenon and it said like, you know, a lot of people, when you have an eating disorder, 
you are obsessive. You are obsessive about food and you have this overexposure to food and thinking about calories and thinking about nutrition. Like at least for myself, I feel like I have a baseline of like food information logged into some back part of my brain that like, if we had talked about calories in like a college class, I would be like, yep, I know what they are. I know what a calorie deficit is. Like I know what protein is. I know what carbs are. Um, I know what metabolism is, you know, like you have all this stored knowledge. And so like, I think, you know, probably like I haven't really had the urge to like become a fucking dietitian, but yeah, you're like, oh, I get this stuff. I think about this stuff all the time. It totally makes sense for me to pursue this. Um, But I think that reason can be a little bit toxic, right? Because when you think about that, for me, at least, like I got a therapist that had an eating disorder. She'd healed her relationship with food. She started her practice, raving reviews, like got a referral from a friend to find, you know, seek out therapy with her. But a little bit of my head was thinking, you know, I was like, oh, wait, if like someone has an eating disorder, like I wonder if they still have issues now or like maybe they prescribe something to their doctor because that's personally how they treat food. Right. And so I think that people can totally have a passive eating disorders and work in this field. Um, But it is interesting to think about like, what are the reasons that do kind of compel someone to want to work in this field? Right. Um, And there was an article that was talking from a lot of like students that were pursuing this degree. And it was talking about like, you know, why do you think that you want to be a nutritionist or stuff? And a lot of the students reported this idea that like, it's there's a lot of pressure to be within this like idea of what a ideal dietitian or nutritionist looks like because in our culture we are obsessed with equating health with some sort of beauty stand excuse me beauty standard thinness anything like that and so when you go to your nutritionist there is a pressure to look beautiful as a nutritionist because what you put in your body is going to make you look a certain way. And if my clients come in and they don't think that I look beautiful, they're not going to trust me to give them advice. I've heard so many toxic gym bros on the fucking internet. Like I would never like lift if my trainer wasn't in like the best shape ever or whatever. And like, it is this weird phenomenon that I think happens in health and wellness where people think physical image is equal to like someone's education and moral um, like there's this moral value over what you look like that, oh, if you have any body fat on your purse, on your body, you are a bad person. You're clearly a flunking dietetic students. If you don't, if you're not shredded and jacked. And so a lot of these students were like, I'm kind of worried. Like, it's kind of scary to be someone's dietitian and feel like I have to be perfect. Like, you know, the courses and this whole path of being a nutritionist student or anything, they're not causing people to have eating disorders, but it's like people are already very, if you're working in this field, you're thinking about it a lot. Um, and so if you, you know, of course, if you have any issues, like it's very recommended that you go and fix out, fix out your own issues before you go on to be a health coach or counselor or nutritionist or anything like that. Like you don't want any RDs with unresolved food issues going and giving advice. Um, but yeah, like I think it, people that are dietitian, nutritionist students, I'm curious for the CMOS girlies. I think there's this pressure like to fall into clean eating, um, you know, spiraling that to be obsessive. And there's one student who said like, I worried like if my patients would be like, well, why are you drinking? You know, why are you eating cake? There's this sense that if you're a nutritionist, there is a right way to be and a wrong way to be. Um, and so I'm I'm curious, you know, if like it obviously makes sense why there are a lot of overlap, but um, it's just it's some food for thought. I'm curious of what your guys' thoughts on that matter are. Yeah. And I feel like that's definitely probably been amplified with social media. Like, I wonder if it was like less of a thing if people would kind of be placing some sort of 
beauty standards, if you will, or some sort of like body standards on nutritionists, if there wasn't also social media playing yeah. into that. Um, the last section we kind of got is like, our fitness trainer is qualified to give out nutritional advice. I feel like I see all the time, like on TikTok, like some sort of fitness trainers giving like nutritional advice, sharing mm-hmm. their like what I eat in a days. And of course, like, I think this is like such a hard area and it's very murky because I think there's like, you know, granted anyone can really put any type of content on the internet if they wish. And I think we all struggle to know like the actual true intent, but there is probably some sort of responsibility that you should have if you are registered or have some sort of certification in any type of this space. And people that are smart and do have qualifications do know when and when not to cross the line. Um, so technically, yes, personal trainers can talk to clients about what they eat and can make like general suggestions to support their goals. But if you're not actually registered as a dietitian, or a doctor, you cannot legally one like prescribe diets or supplements to treat conditions or diagnose conditions. And like, this makes sense because you're going to school for becoming a, a, a fitness trainer. Like that is like what your education is about. Like you're probably not really touching on nutrition and it like really takes away from a lot of like these nutritionists or registered dietitians that like went to school for like four years and like did actually like all the hard work. Um, but what fitness trainers can do is they can like encourage you to maybe like eat lean proteins or educate on different macro levels and suggest drinking electrolytes, but they can't say like, you need to eat X amount of calories and like, you need to be in like this much of a deficit and you need to have like your meals be like 30% carbs, 40% fat. And there's definitely been like this movement towards like viewing personal health kind of more as like an ecosystem versus like siloing it. And so I think clients, when they do sign up to get a personal trainer, they also probably hope that like this can just be like their one-stop shop for like also getting their nutritional advice and getting like other support through their health and wellness journey. And it like totally makes sense. And I feel like that's where maybe like a health coach could come into play or perhaps also like a nutritionist, or maybe you just like find someone who has all the certifications. I'm sure that would be fucking expensive, but they're probably out there. Cause I think it like definitely does make it challenging for the individual that you like have to seek out all these different specialized people with certain, um, certifications to maybe get what you want. But like, luckily with social media, there is like so, so, so much knowledge out there that you can consume. And like, even for myself starting off and learning more about like health and wellness, I feel like I have learned and gained so much from like listening to like the right podcasts and reading the right books from people that are actually like trusted. So that's another area. If you like, feel like you don't know where to start, like just start listening to podcasts and start listening to stuff. Um, And like, I think it's great for sure that like there's been growing popularity in the fitness industry to consider all aspects of health and with their clients, but you definitely just got to be smart. If you are the client, like I wouldn't want to trust my trainer to give me a specific meal plan. If they had no idea what my BMI was or metabolism and like all my different sex hormones and like my stress life, just because like that all can totally shape what your diet should look like. And if they don't know how to interpret that data and if they're just like, this is what worked for me. I eat like 1400 calories for three weeks. And that's how I look the way I am. That's like so problematic. And that can definitely lead to like really, really awful results for many people. So definitely like, just be smart again, like ask questions and like advocate for yourself. That's probably like the best way to go about any and all of this, if you're looking to get support from someone or if you're looking to become one yourself. Yeah. Another point I would say, cause I think some of our female scholars are younger where like, maybe you're not at a point where like 
you yourself are like big with your big, big, I was going to say big girl job, um, adult life, adult money and stuff. Um, I think there is a way to get help. Like when you are older and like you are, you know, living in your twenties or like your thirties or any sort of age. Like, I think I had this idea for a while of like, I'm never going to ask for help. Um, I hope I never get injured. I hope I never need this and whatever, because it's like too much of a financial burden. You don't need to go to this holistic nutritionist. You're not signing a waiver that you need to pay her for 12 years of your life. You could go and get help for two months and then just be like, all right, got it. Thanks. See ya. Um, so you should feel like you can make these investments in your health. Like it, they can be pricey and it's going to depend on like where you live. If it's virtual, like what healthcare insurance you have, God forbid our fucking healthcare system sucks so bad that people don't have access to care. Like the whole reason that like people or like the, the fact that people have to question, can I get help? Like, would this be covered by my insurance is such a fucked up question to even ask but it gets to the point that like i think that you guys will be able to you know if you want to get help from a registered dietitian and it's like the money thing is scary like there there will be a way for you to do it hopefully like with our healthcare system like maybe improving one day um you know i think when we talk about like budgeting and sort of wellness like it's going to be an investment right but maybe it'll really help something else in your life or maybe you can think about like I'm not going to get a Christmas present this year. I'm just going to ask my mom, can you get me a, a therapist for something like that? Um, I've definitely asked my parents for like shit like that versus like a new pair of jeans. So just some food for thought because I always like thought I'm never going to go to a physical therapist because it's going to be so expensive. And like, obviously I'm like making my own money now, but um, yeah, just a, just a point for the girlies that if you need help, you should get help. Yes, definitely get help. Invest in your health now is what my parents always said, even though that's very daunting. And yeah, like Kate said, you it's like not bad to ask for help or to like seek out these services. They're there for a reason. And like when I had a nutritional therapist, when I kind of relapsed badly into maiden disorder in college, like that was definitely just so good for me. And I think just like having someone who was a professional to say like, you need to be eating more and this is why was like so had such an impact on me because I like knew deep down that like, yeah, I should, but it was like so easy for me to talk myself out of that. Or if like a friend was like, Emma, you should probably eat more. Like it was so easy for me to like shake it off. Cause they like weren't quote unquote, like certified, but then like kind of having someone being like, no, I've seen yeah. what can possibly happen down the road if you don't fix this now. Um, and so I think like just having that extra push from someone who is certified can really help you in any, and in any aspect. Yeah. And another thing with healing, it's like, if you know that your money is going towards something, like you are paying money to log on to therapy every single week, it motivates you to fix the problem more. You know, like if you're just doing some lifestyle change and you're just doing it to, you know, whatever reasons, if you go and pay a therapist, it's going to get to a point where you're like, fuck, I better, I better actually try to commit to eating disorder recovery because I'm spending money on this now. So mm -hmm. it's another little push, like Emma said, but that's the pod. Um, it's a beautiful Monday night here in New York City. I'm going to get my Epsom salt bath soon and edit this audio. And Emma, what are you up to tonight? I think I'm going to do my little my little walk that I usually go on, listen to some music, um, maybe listen to a podcast, but probably not. And yeah. then drink some magnesium. I have moon juice magnesium right now at the moment that I might slurp Slip. on slurp yeah. love a good magnesium slurp before bed but thanks girlies uh we hope you enjoyed the pod let us know if you have any like interesting points about this this topic whether like you're trying to get a degree in one of these things or you've had experience with one of these things and um merch will be coming out soon i think that's all we have yeah lots of things to look forward to
Lots of things to look forward to. We will chat with you girlies next Tuesday. Thanks for tuning in. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.